forward at 6'8 from Syracuse, number seven, Carmelo Anthony! What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. It is an emergency Carmelo Anthony podcast. You knew that. That's why you're here. We're doing a full show all about Carmelo Anthony. I want to talk about the how and why he got here. What it means for the team. I want to talk about the history of the Blazers courting Carmelo Anthony. This is not something that happened overnight. It's two full years in the making. And finally, I want to close the show by asking the question, when was the last time Carmelo Anthony was good? But let's start with the how and why, the nitty-gritty. The how is simple. The Blazers have an empty roster spot. They've carried 14 guys because I thought maybe for financial reasons. They already have the highest payroll in the league, and that's with only carrying 14 guys around. But the reason that you have an empty roster spot is to do this, to sign a veteran off the street that can help you. And that's what the Blazers did. They added Carmelo Anthony to a non-guaranteed deal. What non-guaranteed means for them is that he'll get paid just like everyone else, but his roster won't fully count on the books if he's waived before January 7th. If he is on the team on January 8th, his money is going to count against the books and and thus count against the luxury tax. If the Blazers are financially motivated, they can keep him on the team basically for 10 weeks and then cut him free, and they will only have to pay his salary for while he is on the team. It won't have larger implications where they have to pay taxes on the dollar. So this really is no risk, at least from that standpoint. And it's also no risk from a basketball standpoint. Look, the Blazers came into the season planning to to play Zach Collins 30-some minutes a night at power forward, with Anthony Tolliver as his backup. Well, now Zach Collins is gone. He's out until at least mid-March and maybe longer, following shoulder surgery. The other option was Anthony Tolliver, Carmelo Anthony's peer. He's been pretty bad. So signing someone who's Anthony Tolliver's peer with a much shinier resume, that's no risk. Mario Hazonia has been overmatched pretty much every single minute he's been on the court. With one or two nice flashes mixed in with 70% bad. Look no further than Wednesday's game against the Toronto Raptors when the Blazers started a rookie in Nazir Little and rolled a teenager out against Pascal Siakam, not because they were trying to get useful developmental minutes for a young guy, but because Nazir Little was their best option. Little looked pretty good. Not good, not great, not like someone who's going to be a star in the league, but serviceable, and serviceable on a team that's 4-8. But here, this is the reality of the Blazers. They're not good. For 12 games into the season, they're kind of a disaster. And their absolute biggest weakness is at power forward. Carmelo Anthony at least plays that position. Now, if you've listened to this podcast before, 
If you haven't, welcome. Welcome to Lockdown Blazers. What a great time to join. It is getting weird. And now we get to talk about Carmelo Anthony pretty regularly. But if you are familiar with my takes on this subject, you know that I have been anti-Mello. I think it was less than two weeks ago in a mailbag episode when I basically said, no, 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 Carmelo Anthony is not a solution and shouldn't be considered. The Blazers weren't as bad. They weren't in as, I should say this, they weren't in as tough a spot then as they are now. We didn't know how long Collins was going to be out. We knew he was hurt. We were awaiting word. We didn't know how much they were going to scuffle without him. You know, if they don't lose to the Kings, I'm not saying they don't sign Carmelo Anthony, but their season just looks so much less desperate. If they handle the Kings, win two straight against bad teams, and then, and then lose a game against the Raptors, that they played pretty well until the final seven minutes. But that's not the reality. The reality is that they lost six of seven. The reality is that Nazir Little was their best option at power forward this morning. So that means it might be time for me to rethink my staunchly anti-mellow stance. Here's why I didn't like him in the past. Or didn't like him as an option in the past, I should say. I don't know Carmelo Anthony. He might be a cool guy. He doesn't seem to answer the Blazers' core issue, which is that they're not a very good defensive team, and they've really, really struggled down the stretch. Basically, at winning time, when NBA teams put their foot down in the final nine minutes of the game or six minutes of the game and they say okay we need to win let's put our best players on the floor and give it our winning effort the Blazers have been rocked they're the worst defensive team in the fourth quarter worst had the worst defensive rating of any team in the fourth quarter they're just hemorrhaging points at crunch time Carmelo Anthony even in his prime didn't really answer that specific question Carmelo Anthony at age 34 who hasn't played a game since last November and was basically sent home in January from a Houston Rockets team that want nothing to do with him? Yeah, I don't think that dude is going to change their crunch time defense. But here's what he can be. He can be a better offensive player than Mario Hazonia. He can be a better offensive player than Nazir Little and Anthony Tolliver, too. Quite frankly, he can be their best option at power forward, even if he doesn't really change their core issue. If he doesn't address their core need, which is to become a much better defensive team, Carmelo Anthony can help. And so I'm changing my... I'm maybe not changing my mind. I don't think this solution vaults the Blazers back into that home court advantage in the playoffs type tier. But I think it's so low risk, and I think that their season is in such a place, and their forward rotation is in such a place, that... It's almost a no-brainer. My initial reaction was kind of like, yeah, why not? Like, why not? Why, what? They can't get much worse. They already look really bad. If Carmelo tanks their season, how will we know? <laughs> that might be a little mean, but like, seriously, seriously. They haven't been good. They look like a bad NBA team right now. So bringing in a guy who a few years ago was a very good NBA player, although he hasn't played in many high-leverage basketball games in a while, but bringing in a guy who's almost assuredly better and at worst 
the same as your already bad rotation on a non-guaranteed deal, yeah, I think it's a, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. So the Mike who said no, 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 no on previous podcasts was wrong. Sometimes that's the thing about recording these by myself. There's no one to check me on my stupid opinions. So I'm going to give you a slight edit on that. I think Carmelo, the Carmelo Anthony deal is fine. It's fine. Might not dramatically change the trajectory of this team, but it can't hurt. All right, when we come back in the second segment, I want to talk about the history of the Blazers courting Carmelo Anthony. This isn't something that came up this year or this week. They've been chasing this guy for two seasons. It's been something that the star players in this franchise have franchise have wanted for a long time. But before we get there, I want to tell you guys about my bookie. Use your basketball knowledge to prove you have what it takes at mybookie.ag, where they make it easy to play and easier to get paid. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and MyBookie will match 50% of your first deposit. All right, so we talked the how and why Carmelo Anthony ended up with the Blazers. Join me on a bit of a time-traveling mission as we head back to July of 2017 to listen to what Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum had to say about Carmelo Anthony. Remember, at the time, Anthony was... I don't know if disgruntled is the right word, but he was at the end of his line with the Knicks. The whole NBA world knew he was going to get traded, likely to a contending type team. And the Blazers fancied themselves at the time a contending type team. They were coming off a playoff berth and felt like they were going they were one player away from taking the next step. So I want to play you the audio from that day when Damian Lillard had a summer camp and both him and CJ happened to be there and invited members of the press, such as myself, to hear their takes and their open, in-the-media, public recruitment of Carmelo Anthony. Take a listen. Have you reached out to Carmelo? I spoke to him. Because obviously he makes us a better team. (laughs) He makes us a, a better team. So, I mean, obviously with... With that being out there and that being a, a real possibility, I don't see why I wouldn't, wouldn't reach out to him and let him know that the interest is, is mutual if he's, if he's interested in us. What was his reaction? I ain't going to share all we had, we had a conversation about it because it's something that we need to talk about. So he knew that it wasn't just a team. You know, myself and CJ would love to have him. So I, I reached out to him. We texted him. What do you say it's a real possibility? Because I don't think we would be we'd be hearing about it if we are. That's a possibility. And that was part of the reason why I reached out to him to see what was going on. How would he How would he help you guys? I mean, how would that change you guys? I mean, well, he's Carmelo Anthony. I mean, you add another guy that can go out there and score 50, the guy that can score the ball. Um, one of the over the last decade he's been one of the best players in the league. You know, playing against him, you know he's a cerebral player. He's smart. You know, he thinks the game he played in the triangle. 
I can only imagine what it would be like having him isolated on one side and CJ in the corner and me on the opposite wing and Nurk on the opposite dunker. You know, just I can only imagine how hard it would be to guard us when it's already hard to guard us. And I think we can compete with anybody in the West, but I think when you get to those teams like Golden State, we happen to run into them in the playoff situation now. We getting in the paint. They want to help off somebody like like Melo. That's a hard one. Good luck. Very talented player. I think we get him. When we get him, <laughs> speaking to existence, I think the top three in the West East. What was his feet? I think he's interested. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I feel like he wants to play. You'll talk to CJ later. You're a friend. Banana boat friend. I know he wants to play with CJ. Those are good American teams. They're good after, but I feel like we. They're also after speaking with him, you're still hopeful, or after texting with him, you're hopeful that I'm flying to New York tomorrow. You're right. I'll be in New York. You meet with him while you're there. You know, New York's a, a very good city. Um, we got the same trainer, so my schedule's open. What's the main purpose of your trip? To train or to meet with Melo? <laughs> it's a train. Tra I've been in New York all summer, so to train. My girl goes to Columbia, so I, um, we got a place there. I, I spend a lot of time there, work out. Uh, I'm flying to Africa anyway, so yeah. it's all it's all together. And if he's there, then I'll, I'll go say hello. So look, that's a long time ago. That audio that I have in my phone, thanks to some magic of digital media. Well. It happened in mid-July 2017, so we're talking almost two and a half years ago now. But I want to play it for you because I think it gives you maybe an insight into why this deal might have gotten done. Carmelo Anthony maybe have fallen out of favor with the nerds of the world, with the Mike G. Riches. But I think NBA players still felt like Carmelo Anthony needed a chance. In fact, I believe I cataloged on this podcast over the summer when Damian Lillard tweeted out hashtag free Mello. Yusuf Nurkic did too. July 2017, Damian Lillard was a fan of signing Carmelo Anthony. The following summer, Dame was interested in signing Carmelo Anthony before he signed with the Houston Rockets ahead of the 2018-2019 season. And he wasn't as public about it this year. One, because I think he felt like he had given it two good shots. He had said, hey, come sign with us. Reached out to him as he, as he talked about in that clip I played. In 2017, he reached out to Carmelo Anthony. I'm sure he did the same in 2018 when Melo was free to go where he wanted. So I felt I think Dame kind of felt like that ship had sailed. He had recruited him, it didn't work out. But it didn't mean that he didn't lose interest and it didn't mean that he didn't lose respect. Why I wanted to play you the audio of Dame and CJ is cuz you get the sense that at least two summers ago, they still thought of Melo as a very very good player, a piece that could launch them into top 3 in the West. Things have obviously changed. Melo's in a different place. He only played 10 games last season with the Rockets. The Blazers are in a different place. They made the Western Conference Finals and spent a lot of the early preseason talking about how they were going to win a championship. But I don't think the respect um, in sort of just when you look at a guy who's made the All-Star team 10 times in your place like Damian Lillard, you, you have a certain amount of respect for Carmelo Anthony. You think 
maybe not the way that analytics types think, and say, this dude can help us because he's a good hooper. He's a good basketball player. He mentioned that clip that he's a cerebral guy, someone who played in the triangle and understands a complex offense. I don't think that's a perception that a lot of fans have. I don't think it's a perception a lot of, like, a certain flavor of media members have. But I think it's important that that might be the perception that the Blazers' two best players have, particularly Damian Lillard. I've been struck by how frustrated Dames looked early in the season. At least three separate games where he's just been on the court looking pissed. A game against the Nets where he was yelling at his teammates. He scored 60 points and just looked pissed. A game in Golden State where he was yelling at Hassan Whiteside in the huddle. Even even his body language against the Raptors, I think, was um, a little bit down. But that's probably more had to do with losing than the team's effort level. So if Dame thinks, or at least thought at one point that this guy could play, and it's so low risk as I detailed in the first segment, that's why you do it. You make your franchise players happy. And if Dame felt like they needed help, and Lord knows they look like they need help, then there is no risk in trying this one out. All right, coming back in the third segment, and I want to answer this simple question. When was the last time Carmel Anthony was good? And can he help this team? Before I do that, I want to tell you guys all about Audible. Audible has the world's largest selection of audiobooks and audio entertainment. Start listening with a 30-day Audible trial. Choose one audiobook and two Audible originals absolutely free. Just visit audible.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, still Mike Richmond, still pass first point guard, and you're still listening to Lockdown Blazers, and we're still going deep on Carmelo Anthony. The Blazers' newest signee will be available for the team's Saturday game at San Antonio. They kick off a six-game road trip in San Antonio on Saturday. Melo likely to make his debut. He won't be back in Portland to make his home debut until the day before Thanksgiving when they face Melo's former team, the Oklahoma City Thunder at the Motor Center. But I want to answer this question in this final segment. When was the last time Carmelo Anthony was good? Because it's pretty clear he wasn't good with the Rockets. He played in 10 games, two starts, played about 29 minutes a night, shot 40% from the floor and 32% from three. He averaged 13 points and five and a half rebounds. It's pretty clear he wasn't good with the Rockets. I don't know that he was so bad that them pinning all their early season woes on him and dismissing him from the team before ultimately cutting him in January was the solution. But I think it's I think it's fair to say he wasn't good. The previous season in Oklahoma City, when he was 33 years old and got traded to the Thunder, started 78 games. Famously laughed in the his opening press conference. <laughs> Hey, P, they want me to come off the bench. I should have just played you that audio, but I gave it to you. I gave you my impression for free. He wasn't particularly good that season either. Shot 40% from the floor. 36% is basically league average from three-point line. But was unplayable come playoff time. They had to take him off the floor in favor of Jeremy Grant because they needed a better defensive player. His final year with the Knicks in 2016-2017... This is, again, I don't think Carmelo Anthony was bad. I'm just not sure he was really good this year. He did make the all-star team by virtue of being Carmelo Anthony. 
but I don't think he was really, really good. He's averaged 22 points, five and a half, basically six rebounds, three assists, shot 36% from three. I would say this is the best, your best argument for Kawhi being still pretty good. Was this 2016-17 season? That's not too far away. It's not too recent in the way the NBA works and how quickly things happen. But he's not too far removed from being pretty good. So to answer just sort of the basic question, when was the last time Carmelo Anthony was good? It's either that year or kind of for me, if you don't think he was that good that year, if you think his last year with the Knicks, he was already kind of becoming a black hole on offense and, and a big defensive liability and all these things. And what what set him apart was this sort of elite one-on-one scoring and it was starting to deteriorate by that age. I You would be hard pressed to convince me that he wasn't actually good the season before that in 2015-2016. I think there are some people that feel like Carmelo Anthony is overrated for a long time. So if you want to push back even further or say he was never good, that's that's fine. I'm, I'm cool with that. But I think those his last two seasons in New York, he was one of the best offensive players in the NBA still. Maybe not a great all-around player. You know, he hasn't been a super high-level defensive player at any point in his career, but he spent a decade in the league as one of the best scorers in the NBA. He's almost certainly a Hall of Famer. I think his time with the Knicks is weird because they basically had one really good season when they won 54 games and made the second round and then a bunch of suck. But this is a guy who would have been rookie of the year and won couple scoring titles as opposed to just one if he hadn't been that same era as LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. If he hadn't been the same draft as those two guys, his, his career just feels a lot different. So to answer my question, when was the last time Carl Anthony was good? For my money, it's 2015-2016. That's four seasons ago. So the question is, can he help this team now? What is a reasonable expectation for how he can help? And what does his role look like? Because that's what's next, right? It's not the hype anymore or all that. It's how can he help? Because the Blazers need his help, and they need his help starting Saturday. Here's how I think it looks. One, I think, if I had to guess, Nazir Little still starts. Because one, he knows the plays. And two, Terry Stotts has long believed that playing young guys with the starting group is the best way to hide them. And that would allow Mello to soak up mostly Mario Hazonia's minutes off the bench. That means he'll play between 17 and 24 minutes. I don't know if Mello's ready to play 25 NBA minutes on Saturday, but I bet he'll get his run, at least about 15, I assume. They signed him to be an NBA player, so you would assume that they think he's in relative game shape and ready to go. You can't really simulate NBA basketball, but they're not, it's not, I would be surprised if this was something they had to slowly work into the lineup as opposed to somebody who's ready to ride. But I don't think Carmelo Anthony starts. I'd be surprised if he was on the Blazers crunch time lineup right away. I still think that's going to be Dame, CJ, Hassan Whiteside, Rodney Hood and fill in the blank fifth guy, either Ken Bazemore or Anthony Simons. But I think Anthony Tolliver is going to collect a few more DNPs. I think Mario Hazonia is going to get slowly phased out of the lineup. 
He might not wholly be dropped, but I think Carmelo Anthony's here to soak up most of his minutes. And just based on one game and my feel for the way Terry Stotts does things, having been around the team for five plus seasons, is that right now Nazir Little is a serious answer to how do we play power forward for 48 minutes. And so he still has at least somewhat limited role at the four spot likely as a starter. That's my guess what we see Saturday. Same starters as against the Raptors, Dame, CJ, Rodney Hood, Little, and Whiteside. Simons and Bazemore locks off the bench. Scalabas here lock off the bench. And then maybe they go 10 deep with Hazonia and Carmelo. And the era begins against the Spurs and then against the Rockets. Later in the trip against the Bucks. This is a daunting six-gamer. But the new era is here. The Carmelo Anthony has reached Portland, Oregon. We got more podcasts coming. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already get podcasts. That's Google, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify. Thanks for listening. Talk to you all soon.